The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio or its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Churchill said, those who fail to learn from history are condemned to repeat it. Kevin Hallinan believes that certainly applies to business. Welcome to Winning Business Radio here at W4CY Radio. That's W4CY.com. And now your host, Kevin Hallinan. Welcome back to Winning Business Radio. I'm your host, Kevin Hallinan. The mission of this show, as regular listeners know, is to offer insights and advice to help people avoid the mistakes of others, to learn best practices, you know, the how-tos, the what-tos, the what-not-tos, to be challenged and certainly to be inspired by the successes of others. Every successful person I've ever had a chance to talk to about, about business has had failures in their lives and careers. So while we all have to get our knees skinned once in a while, I'm driven to keep those scrapes from needing major surgery. Let's endeavor to, let's endeavor to learn from history so we don't repeat it. Today, my guest is Dr. Sarah Reifhecking, founder of True Focus Coaching. Sarah is a speaker, coach, and productivity and time matters expert. Here's her bio. Sarah has over 20 years of experience empowering, empowering entrepreneurs and professionals to get a grip on time so that they can get to the next level in their lives and businesses. She has developed unique systems to help them and coaches her clients to be careful about what they copy to find time management solutions that work for them and solutions are found by paying attention to the present moment. Sarah received her bachelor's in psychology from DePaul University and both her master's in psychology and PhD in clinical psychology from SUNY Stony Brook. Sarah received her coach certification from Mentor Coach. She was on the faculty of UMass Medical School for six years. She founded True Focus Coaching in 2005 and as a business savvy entrepreneur, grew her successful coaching practice during a down economy. Sarah says, I'm passionate about helping entrepreneurs and professionals get a grip on time. She believes that there's, there's no perfect time management system, but rather that uh, one that works for the individual. She's an experienced coach, entrepreneur, psychotherapist, teacher, researcher, and mentor. She's been a coach on staff at the Hallowell Center in Sudbury, Mass. for five years. Sarah, welcome to Winning Business Radio. Appreciate you being here. Thanks for having me, Kevin. I, I'm really excited to be here today. Well, let's have a little fun. Um, okay. So you went to school in New York. Yeah, I got my graduate degree in New York at Stony yeah. Brook. Yeah. And where did you grow up? I grew up in upstate New York, um, Rochester, New York, outside okay. of Rochester. Former, home, I have a colleague from Rochester, for, Rochester, former home of the of the great Kodak, right? Absolutely. Rochester is a great city. There's tons of science, tons of arts, mm. um, and it was a great place to grow up. So describe that upbringing a little bit. Well, let's see. So um, my dad was a professor at the University of Rochester when I was growing up. He Runs was a linguist. Yeah, it does. It does. Uh, <laughs> though never any pressure from him. Interesting. His philosophy was get educated and then figure out what you want to do, um, mm. which is something I do my best to pass along to uh, friends, family members, and clients because I do really feel like really important to get a broad education because mm. there's so much out there that people don't know about these days. Or 
ever, right? Mm. Um, so uh, my dad was a, a professor when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. And then when I was in high school, he got, um, he decided to leave the university and got uh, his credential in spe speech pathology. Wow. So he started his own speech pathology practice and he was the only guy in the Rochester area with both the linguistics and the speech, speech pathology background. And I got to watch him create his own business. Wow. Um, and then when I was growing up, my mom was a piano teacher and ran uh, her lessons out of the house. So I grew up coming home after school every day to listening to all sorts of pleasant and unpleasant music, depending on the level of the students. <laughs> um, but she has a passion. She still teaches piano. Um, oh, that's great. In, yeah, I'm not going to tell you how old she is because she doesn't like people to know, but she's <laughs> an awesome model for um, staying active, maintaining your passion, and just en enjoying what you're doing. She's seasoned. She is. She's a seasoned professional. So and we grew up in a, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, she's the kind of teacher that just is so passionate about what she mm. does. Mm. And, um, you know, I learned a lot of, I think, the foundations for how I work with people just from listening to her and how she worked with our students for my whole life. So love to hear that. We grew up in a musical family uh, and my sister still get, makes her living from music. She uh -huh. leads uh, choirs and she teaches. She teaches piano and woodwinds and um, she leads these uh, uh, women-centric outdoor singing activities that just, as she puts it, help people kind of get back to themselves. You know, it's kind of cool what she does. It is. That's so cool. I love music. It's always been a, a really important part of my life. My mom, mm. as I just said, taught piano my whole life. And then my dad was a music lover, and they actually met in college in choir. Cool. Um, and, and my dad played the piano very well, but he only knew about two songs. So once or twice a year, he'd sit down and play the Moonlight Sonata, which was one of them. Oh, yeah. Um, from beginning to end. And there was one other and otherwise he just he was a great connoisseur so my grandmother my mom's mom she played my mother played and every once in a while she would you know she was busy she she was a teacher as well but every once in a, once in a while she would just sit down in an afternoon and just play something uh, from memory that was just tremendous you know it was yeah cool yeah it's amazing that muscle memory and the the musical memory is really yeah. powerful um what were some of your other than uh, clearly music. What were some of your other early interests? So I'm a kid who fell in love with horses nice. uh, when I was little. I was that little girl that um, fell in love with horses and begged my parents to stop at every pony ride possible when we were on <laughs> vacation. And then um, when I got old enough to make my own money, I babysat and I mowed lawns. And um, my dad would uh, say to me, I will give you a matching grant, which meant that if nice. I wanted to I wanted to go to horseback riding camp, day camp for a week, I had to earn half of it and he would pay the other half. Um, so h horses are, are, have been one of the driving passions in my life, um, though I haven't ridden for a long time, but it's been one of those connections back to myself um, very often. So That's really great to hear. And do you have family yourself? I do. So I have a son who just turned 17 nice. and just graduating from a junior year in high school. Mm -hmm. So um, starting to look at colleges and all of those things. Um, and I have a husband who um, works in the tech sector. He does uh, user interface um, design and architecture. 
That's very cool. We'll talk yeah. about that another time. Yeah. Um, how did you become interested in psychology? I love this question because I think I was always interested in psychology. I mean, my mom describes me as that kid on the playground that would come home and be upset when people weren't getting along. And when I had different groups of friends that didn't didn't appreciate each other. Mm. Um, so I think I, it's always been a part of how I was sort of put together from birth. Um, and then in college, I will say I used to joke that I that I majored in very liberal arts because I took like just about everything until I had to like declare a major. Um, and psychology really pulled me in in terms of the science and also I think the understanding of humans and animals. Mm. Um, and um, then I went on from there and after after college, I actually worked for a couple of years in uh, actually personnel. I worked at Abbott Labs outside yeah. of Chicago yeah. um, in their personnel development program. And um you know, got a taste of working in a huge corporation, um, got burnt out pretty fast. And uh, that's when I really started to think about what was the, what was it that I liked about psychology and working with people? Um, so I actually left that job and worked with emotionally disturbed kids in a residential mm -hmm. treatment center for, for a couple of years, just as a staff member, mm -hmm. um, you know, really in the trenches, working with really challenged kids and their families. These were kids that had been taken away from their families um, and were in state care. Wow. And um, Those are tough situations, huh? It, it is. It is. And what I discovered through, you know, kind of uh, working in personnel and then working in the residential treatment center is that I, I learned that I like to work with adults. Right. Mm -hmm. I like to work with and people that were ready to make changes on their own. Um, working with emotionally disturbed kids, often they're just developmentally not in a place where they're ready or able to make changes. And mm -hmm. so it's a different approach. Um, and I also got really interested at that time in health psychology, which was this, you know, this is way back when, um, I, I, I'll age myself, but a long time ago, yeah. um, when health psychology and behavioral medicine, this mind-body thing that we talk about all yeah, the time, sure. was just becoming uh, popular. And at the time, I mentioned when I worked at, when I had my corporate job in personnel, I ended up leaving there because I was working like 80 hours a week and completely stressed out mm -hmm. and um, not able to take care of my health. So Interesting. Yeah. So through that whole process, I got really interested in the mind-body connection. And um, that's what really led me to graduate school. I thought I wanted to be that person to really map out the mind-body connection, mm. um, you know, from the thoughts to what happens in your, your body and your synapses and all of that kind of stuff. And did a lot of that basic biological work in graduate school. Um, and then discovered uh, through that that I love understanding the basic science. I love exploring it all and knowing how it works. Um, but I, what I really love most is helping people make changes related to that. So I love to see people thrive and be able to take advantage of that knowledge and use it in their, their everyday lives. Well, clearly you have a passion, if not a calling, <laughs> uh, just listening to you. And also given that it takes so much time to earn a PhD, and as I understand, that process involves a lot of research, teaching, as well as interning, correct? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
So Absolutely. from the time you got the degree, uh, excuse me, from the time you got your undergrad degree to your PhD, it looked like it was about 10 years. Mm-hmm. Yep. So what did you like most about that, uh, about that whole experience, that 10-year period? Yeah. So the thing I loved, loved, loved about graduate school was just mm. learning about so many different things and um, just mastering a particular area of psychology. So my research was in this area called psychophysiology, which sounds super fancy, but really what it is, is I spent a lot of time in a lab stressing people out psychologically and seeing Mm. what happened to their body, right? So we would give them a mental stress test like so here's here's one that that psychologists often use in the lab, uh, mental arithmetic, Mm. right? So having you subtract by sevens from a hundred out loud while somebody's listening. Turns out it's very stressful. I actually noticed my heart rate just go up as, as I was saying that. Um, so, uh, so psychologists often use that kind of a task or mm-hmm. something called, uh, or we, we'd have you prepare a speech, do public speaking impromptu. Number also, one fear. Yeah, number one fear, very stressful. So we'd have you do something like that and then take a look at what was happening to your body in terms of changes in blood pressure, um, small changes in sweat gland activity on your hands, which is called skin conductance activity, um, and also some um, pretty dynamic um, measurements in your heart. Um, So so I spent a lot of time trying to figure out, you know, when somebody's thinking about particular types of things, what happens to different parts of their body. And I really love understanding a particular area Mm. and being able to then um, ask questions about why we know this and why we don't know that. I think that's one of the things that makes me an amazing coach and a coach that really helps people change what they do because I'm always really curious about, well, how come you can do it here, but you can't do it there? Mm. Um, so I really love um, understanding a body of knowledge and then applying it and seeing how we can take it a little bit further. So that's what I loved most about graduate school. So here's the flip side. What did you like the least about that 10 years? What did I like the least about those 10 years? Um, yeah, it's a lot of work. Yeah, it's a lot of work. There is definitely a grind. And whenever to this day, whenever somebody asks me about graduate school, I have this flash of this totally gray lab that I worked in. Yeah. <laughs> you know, many, many hours a week. Literally everything in the room is colored gray from the walls to the carpet. Um, we had a sound attenuated chamber that was like pretty dark gray on the inside. Um, was that intentional? Uh, the color gray. Not necessarily. No. The sound attenuation, a lot mm-hmm. of the material that they use to do that is just, you know, not in super fancy colors. Um, so it is kind of commercial grade stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we did have things in that particular chamber where, because that's where we would put um, experimental subjects, people that were in our experiments. And it was, you know, sound controlled and light controlled and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and then, you know, we would lock them in and walk through, you know, and we could hear them and uh, on, you know, headsets. It was, it was pretty futuristic at that point in time. Now it feels like, I don't know, it feels like your, your doorbell now, if you have one of those video doorbells, yeah. but it was, it was yeah. a big deal. Um, so, uh, so the thing I liked the least was just being stuck in that environment inside mm. all the time. Uh, one of the things I know about myself is I love to be outside. And so it was a real challenge for me to like, I'd have to plan like escape dates. Right. 
That's good. That's good. All right, we're going to take our first break right here. We'll, we'll be back in just a couple of minutes with Dr. Sarah Reifecking. You're listening to Winning Business Radio with Kevin Hallinan on W4CY Radio. That's W4CY.com. Don't go away. More helpful information is coming right up, right here on Winning Business Radio. Have you ever dreamt of being on the radio? Well, now is your chance. Be a radio show guest on the number one ranked internet radio station and promote you and your business for free. Yes, you heard it, free. Business advertising right here on W4CY.com. Call 561-506-4031 now to get booked on one of our shows. That's 561-506-4031. Get your free advertising now. You can tell what's wrong with a car just by sitting next to it at a red light. You can tear down a big block engine in 26 minutes. You know cars. We can help you find more of them to work on. And together, we can get your small business moving in the right direction. At AT AT&T Advertising Solutions, we have more ways to reach more people. With print, online, mobile, and direct marketing, AT&T Advertising Solutions has local advertising experts to help your small business find more customers. Call 1-800-GET-REAL to learn more. AT&T. Rethink Possible. Hi, this is Ian Hale, and you're listening to W4CY Radio. Be seen, be heard on the Internet's number one ranked radio station right here in West Palm Beach. What a way for your business to have a voice. Now is the time to advertise your business on W4CY.com. Call 561-506-4031 for a deal you won't refuse. Again, that's 561-506-4031. Don't wait. Call now. Now back to Winning Business Radio with Kevin Hallinan, presenting exciting topics and expert guests with one goal in mind, to help you succeed in business. Here once again is Kevin Hallinan. We're back with Dr. Sarah Reif Hecking, founder of True Focus Coaching. So we're talking about your the process uh, of earning your PhD. I noticed you were in the VA system. I want to ask you a little bit about that. I've got a son who was a Marine. He was, he didn't, mm-hmm. thankfully he didn't, I mean, he, he wouldn't agree to this, but thankfully he wasn't deployed overseas anyway. But, um, what did you see in that? How was that experience? What did you see? How was the work? Yeah. So when, so I worked in the VA system for a year as part of a cl- year long clinical internship that mm-hmm. all um, people that are licensed psychologists need to, to do that year long clinical work. Mm-hmm. It's where um, you work under seasoned and um, certified psychologists and really get um, guidance as you're learning how to do psychotherapy mm-hmm. um, and treatment. And so I worked um, at a VA system in Connecticut, actually the um, West Haven VA. It's now mm-hmm. part of the Yale Medical Center. And I have a huge respect for the VA system and the work that they are that they are endeavoring to do um, to take care of the men and women that mm-hmm. have taken care of the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that um, it it was a 
an honor to be able to do training there and um, to work with people that that are honestly struggling, many of them. And then also, um, you know, just some people that come in for regular medical care there. Um, and and I did um, both psychotherapy with people that, that had um, difficult issues like PTSD and mm-hmm. anxiety and depression. Um, I also did things like help people learn how to quit smoking. Um, that's part of the health psychology piece of what I did. I helped mm-hmm. people learn how to manage chronic pain. So I really saw a, a lot of different uh, sorts of things. Uh, difficulties that people come out of service with. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, it really, it, it shaped me in a lot of ways in terms of understanding uh, the harm also that, that war um, causes for the mm-hmm. people that, that are fighting for us. And I think that lots of times that's lost on people. Um, I saw it firsthand mm-hmm. uh, and it can be very, very uh, detrimental and, and very hurtful. Well, thanks for that experience. Um, I have had uh, a former Brigadier General, retired Brigadier General, uh, Donald Bolduc, who you may be familiar with, um, on the show a couple times. And he had talked about his experience with um, uh, traumatic brain injury as well as PTSD and the stigma that's associated with it. I mean, his mission now is really to just raise awareness about that same experience. There's a stigma associated with that type of um, I don't want to say disease, injury and, and resulting effect, right? Um, yes. Tough, tough guys don't talk about it, basically, right? You know. Absolutely. Well, and I think in general in our society, there's still a huge stigma about mm. depression, anxiety, post-traumatic mm-hmm. stress disorder, whether you're a veteran or you're, you're an everyday citizen. Right. Right. Um, and I guess, you know, one of the things that I want people to hear that are listening um, to the show today is that we all struggle to some extent. Mm-hmm. There is, I don't think that there's anybody on this planet that doesn't have periods where they need mental health support. And, um, it doesn't mean that there's a that there's a weakness. And matter of fact, I think that that it's a weakness to not ask for help sometimes because there are solutions there. And um, you know, one of the things that I teach people um, when I work with them more closely in coaching is that we're all wired differently. So you have to be careful what you copy. And what I mean by that is though is that even though we're, you know, we're all human, we have similar brains and bodies, we're all born with different strengths and weaknesses in terms of how our brains function. Mm -hmm. And some people can handle some situations more easily than other people. And it's not a moral issue. Some of it it does have to do with how we're biologically wired. Mm -hmm. And that's what I mean when I say, be careful what you copy. Because I can tell you, Kevin, that some things you do to take care of yourself won't serve me and vice versa. Right now, there's some commonalities, but it's really, really important to notice if you have a history or you are more sensitive in one area, you're more likely to be um, anxious, you're more likely to be surprised, you're more likely to be depressed. That doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you, it just means that there's a skill set that you need to learn, and there's some biology that you need to take care of yourself a little bit differently than somebody else might need to. So there was a listener question. How do people know, quote, how they're wired? Maybe a tough question to answer, but. Yeah, it's so it's a really complicated question. And um, there's a couple of different ways. One is if you're if you're struggling with a mental health issue, you're struggling with making a change related to your behavior, then really talk to a mental health professional about that. Um, and um, my practice now. So I used to. Can I, do can I pause on that for a second? Sure. 
that sounds like a big deal. But basically, if you have, you've got a primary care provider, ask him or her, and they're in the system. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and that I love that you brought that up, Kevin, because that is what I most often say to people when, when they say, I need to find a good therapist. Sarah, how do I find a good therapist? Mm-hmm. Um, one of the ways is to talk to a, a medical professional, a doctor, a nurse mm-hmm. practitioner, um, a PA, somebody that you really trust mm-hmm. understands you and say, this is the issue I'm facing. Do you know a good mental health professional to support me? Always your first line of referral. Mm. The other thing that I know is that, um, so, so there's a piece of going from not so good to okay, which is what a, most of mental health treatment is about, okay? So that's anxiety, that's depression. Then there's a whole bunch of stuff that's from, I'm okay, but I want to go to great. Mm. And that is what I focus on now in my coaching practice. So I no longer diagnose and treat mental health issues, but I help people go from, I'm doing okay, you know, I'm I'm functioning all right, I'm running a business, I'm working in a business, holding down a job, but I really want my life to just go to awesome. So I love to help people go from good to great. And in that area, one of the things that happens is this happens below, this happens in the not so good great too, Mm -hmm. not so good area too. Mm -hmm. But you want to kind of notice if you're trying to do something in a way that just seems to not work for you and you always plan, you always end up doing it a little bit differently than other people do. Okay. So, um, for instance, this comes up a lot when I talk to people about managing their time and their activities, which is one of the things I spend a lot of time management, time Mm -hmm. matters. Productivity is one of my areas of expertise. Mm -hmm. And people will say to me, you know, Sarah, I feel like I should be using that, uh, online app, to, uh, you know, manage all of my to-dos and and use project management system and all of that kind of stuff. But I just end up with a piece of paper and a, pad, and a pen. And so that's one way to notice I'm wired a little bit differently there. That writing thing works better mm-hmm. for me than the typing or whatever happens with, you know, these devices called phones that now fit in our pockets that are really mini computers. Mm-hmm. Um, but it feels different. So notice that and that you can start to notice how you're wired in many ways like that. But what I mean is there's different learning styles. Um, there's different, you can also start to notice your energy at different times of day. Sometimes some of us are morning people. Some some of us are evening people. Some of us are nighttime people. Some of us want to be morning people, but we're really nighttime people. And so we keep beating, beating ourselves up because we're not. Morning was, people. Oh, I'm glad you said that because yeah, there's this pressure. You got to Well, you're, you're not effective if you're not up early or, you know, you're not professional or you're not like whatever. It's that judgment people take on themselves. Yes. Yes. And you know, if I had a dollar for every time somebody called me up and said, Sarah, I'm really having a hard time manage- managing my time. And if I could mm. just get up at five o'clock in the morning and work out and drink a green smoothie and then do all these 20 <laughs> other things that it's all about the green smoothie said, right. And the morning and the 5 a.m. workout. Well, so here, let me just make it easy for everybody. Mm. You don't have to work out at five in the morning. You do need to get physical activity in in your day at a time that works best for you and let yourself figure out that daily flow that works best for you. And uh, like, I'm thinking about a client of mine who's a writer and we've been having this conversation for a long time. She's coming out with her second book Mm -hmm. and uh, (laughs) it always starts with, you know, I really need to get up and write first thing in the morning. And I'll say, when has that ever worked for you? 
And she goes, oh, you're right. So what we know works for her is be, is from four to seven in the evening or actually optimally from eight to midnight. So mm-hmm. I have her set up her week so that a couple of times a week she can have the four to seven or the eight to midnight chunks. And guess what? The work gets done. The writing gets yeah. done. It's really easy, productive easy. for her. Yeah. Instead of yeah. fighting it. So that's what I mean when we're all wired differently. Start to notice the flow of your energy, what works for your mind. Some of us are, we thrive in the heat. Some of us thrive in the cold, right? I I know so many people that want to move, you know, move to California. And then I have a really good friend who moved from California to um, Ohio and, you know, even, you know, wants to be in Sweden most of the time where it's cold and, you know, dark a lot. So, so notice, and she notices she thrives better in the cold. Awesome. Interesting. Interesting. My brother experienced the move from, well, he, well, we grew up in Massachusetts as well, spent a lot of uh, his adult life in Colorado, moved back to Massachusetts for a few more years, realized that he needed heat. It, and it, I think it was by accident, but he just functions at a, a much higher level being in Florida. Just yeah. works for him, yeah. you know? Yep. Absolutely. I need a lot of sunlight and not everybody Mm. does. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when I'm in, you know, I live in Massachusetts outside of Boston, we have lots of time where I don't get enough sunlight. Mm -hmm. So I either work it into a travel schedule or, you know, I use an artificial light that gives me the light energy that I need. So that's one of the ways that I'm wired differently that I know that if I just put that thing in my day, everything functions so much more smoothly but it might not work for you, Kevin. It might make you crazy, right? It might make you hyper. It might make you not sleep. Um, so you have to really put it, you have to be really clear about what does work for you. Actually, one of my good friends walked in one day when I had on my my light, it's very bright. And she was like, oh my God, you should just use that thing all the time. And I said, here's the thing, I can't. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> then I won't sleep. So. It's, do- it's like anything. You got it. It's a dosage. Yeah, it's, dope. I mean, it's a broad word and I'm sure I'm using it incorrectly, but it seems like a dosage, right? It is. Absolutely a dosage. And and the dose I need is different than the dose you might need. So it's important to think about. Yeah. All right. There was one more listener question. If I can pull that back up. Yeah, I saw it fly by too. There it is. Are you saying that temperature can cause changes in us? Absolutely. And you probably know that if you have been in a hot, sweaty, uh, you know, vehicle or on a bus or in a subway with a lot of people that are Mm. cranky, right? Um, So a lot of people just end up being really irritable um, when they're hot and sweaty. So um, we know that more violence happens in cities when it's hot and muggy out. So um, yes, temperature can absolutely affect how you function. And we each have a little bit of different thermostats. So mm-hmm. you can start to notice what works best for you. Same with sleep. We, you know, most of us have a, have, um, a zone in which we sleep better. It's, it's usually between 68 and 72 degrees. Um, and you can start to play around with that. I have a really good friend that functions best when she's about at 85 degrees and i never would have thought of that yeah and i don't so Mm. you know so we don't share a hotel room (laughs) (laughs) advice to live by right there all right we're going to take our second break right here we'll be back in just a couple of minutes (laughs) 
You're listening to Winning Business Radio with Kevin Hallinan on W4CY Radio. That's W4CY.com. Don't go away. More helpful information is coming right up, right here on Winning Business Radio. Is your pet overweight, suffer from itchy skin and coat problems, showing signs of food allergies? Then do your pet a favor. Stop by Fiesta Pet Deli, South Florida's original and only fresh food deli for pets, prepared daily and FDA approved with products like Bravo, Nature's Variety, and BioComplete. Listen, dogs and cats are carnivores. 90% of their diet should be meat. That dry kibble you put in their bowl every day contains less than half of what their bodies require. Veterinarian owned and operated, Fiesta Pet Deli has one mission, to get your pet as healthy as possible. Give them a call today at 954-971-2500 or come check out their new store at the Festival Flea Marketplace at Sample Road in the Turnpike in Pompano, Florida. They also offer free local delivery, shipping throughout the United States. Check out their website at www.realfoodforpets.com or just Google Fiesta Pet Deli. If you truly love your pet and care about their health, stop by Fiesta Pet Deli. Call today at 954-971-2500. Hi, this is Lindsay Schoolcraft with Cradle of Filth and you're listening to W4CY Radio. Have you ever dreamed of having your own radio show? Well, W4CY Radio makes dreams come true. You can be a radio personality on the number one ranked internet radio station in West Palm Beach, Florida. We can be heard in 105 countries in all U.S. states. Promote your business. Earn up to $10,000 per month and more. It's all up to you. Have fun and be heard. Call 561-506-4031. That's 561-506-4031. Start your radio show now. This is Felix Griffin, drummer for MOD Classic. You're listening to W42Y Radio. Thank you so much. And now back to Winning Business Radio with Kevin Hallinan, presenting exciting topics and expert guests with one goal in mind to help you succeed in business. Here, once again, is Kevin Hallinan. We're back with Dr. Sarah Rypecking, founder of True Focus Coaching. And let's let's come back right there. What was behind your decision to start your coaching practice? And it was in 05, I believe. Am I right? You are right. It was way back when before people actually knew what coaching was, mm. right? And mm-hmm. I remember I left, I was working at a medical center and I left and everybody thought I was crazy pants. I bet. Yeah. Um, so... The reason why I left, first of all, I think I always knew I was going to have my own business at some point. I think it was always in the back of my mind. Um, And I actually, interestingly, learned a lot about how to run a business from working in an academic medical center where I had to bring in money on the research side to fund my own research. And then I had to... um, see enough clients on the clinical side to fund my clinical salary. So I learned a lot of business stuff there. Plus I wrote NIH funded grants, all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I learned quite a bit there. And then what happened, Kevin, was that it got really clear to me that I needed to make a change and 
I was never going to be able to make the changes I needed to make within that system. Mm-hmm. Um, I was always going to be the go-to person for particular things that I had done in the institution that I didn't want to do anymore. Um, I had had a kid. I knew that my work life there was not going to be flexible enough mm-hmm. for me to be the kind of mother I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And so I started to really think about what was the next step for me. And, you know, you don't walk away from a NIH funded research, um, you know, experience at lightly, you have to really think about it. You just don't yeah. sort of like walk in and out of, um, you know, funded research. It's, it's not, uh, something that, that, that's easy to do. Mm-hmm. So I thought long and hard about it. And what I realized was that point we were talking about before is that I really love to help people go from good to great instead yeah. of not so good to okay. Yeah. And I really love to understand what helps people make behavioral changes related to their health and feeling better, right? Related to um, really just creating that excellent life that they crave, right? That next level life and going from good to great, and so that's when I decided to leave um, the medical center and really got clear that um, coaching was a thing for me. And actually, a, a colleague said to me, why don't you try coaching? And I was like, what is that? Um, and so so being who I am, I had to go learn about it. I got certified, all of that kind of stuff, because mm-hmm. I needed to really understand um, you know, as a clinical psychologist, what is this thing called coaching and how is it different than psychotherapy and uh, treating mental health issues? Because I need to be really clear about what I'm doing. And um, so I did that. I got some training and I created my practice. And for a while, I, I saw individual clients, helped them get clear on their goals. And and I got really clear after a while that the thing that I love to do most is help smart people that are time challenged. Mm. figure out how to really get a grip on their time and do the things that they know they're capable of doing. It is a really interesting niche, but it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. It, it It's so much fun for me. And I know that there's lots of people out there that are like, really? That's how you like to spend your time? <laughs> yeah, and, and you can make a living doing that? Yeah, right, yeah. right. And here's the thing. I was actually talking to a colleague about this the other day. There are so many highly functional people, people that run businesses that are really successful, that get really stuck. And uh, get into a habit of doing things in a particular way that is no longer working for them. Mm. So I'd love to help those people make those shifts that just allow them to thrive in a totally different way that they didn't know was possible. And I like to describe it as a click of a kaleidoscope. So, you know, when you look through a kaleidoscope mm-hmm. and you see one picture and then one click to the right, there's a completely different picture and you don't know it's there until mm. you make that click. That is what happens when I work with people that are really struggling on this treadmill that they're on. And they're either crazy busy, feeling like there's way too much to handle, Mm -hmm. or I often work with, I know what to do, I'm just not doing it, right? I'm struggling with that overwhelm and procrastination piece. And what happens is I help First of all, I get really clear about what has ever worked for them in terms of managing their time and really doing the most meaningful and important things in their lives. And then we build on that and we create 
a toolkit of practices that is customized to their brain, their life, their business, right? And to who they want to be in the world. And then I help them use it. They start to feel a lot better and then keep it going. So that's one of the ways we get from good to great. And I love to to sort of work myself out of a job and teach people yeah. these skills yeah. so that they can then just go on and bring their genius into the world. Are they both men and women? Absolutely. Absolutely. And individuals as well as business people? Yes. Yes. Moms, so for example? Yep. Moms, dads, business professionals, mm-hmm. entrepreneurs. Um, I love to work with um, small to medium-sized business owners. Yeah. Um, I've worked with retired people, um, you name it. But really my sweet spot um, are entrepreneurs and professionals that know that what's getting in the way of them getting to that next level in their life or their business is how they're managing their time. And they will say things like, I'm just too busy. I, I I can't get a grip. I can't get a handle on it. I know what to do. I'm just not doing it. I'm not making those changes I'm supposed to be be making. And what I know is I can help people make those shifts in a way that's so much easier than what they think they need to do. And that's super effective. So talk about careful what they copy again. Careful yeah. what you copy your advice is. Yeah. So Oftentimes when people start to think about getting on top, getting a grip on their time and tasks, right? They then go copy what some productivity guru says they should be doing. And then they then it's not working for them and they feel like they're dumb or they're stupid or there's something wrong with them. But it was a it was in a book, an author said. Right. Some really smart person wrote it down, Sarah. <laughs> How come it doesn't work? And so, so what happens is people start to beat themselves up. And what I know is that those particular strategies work for some people, but not everybody. And you're just not one of those people. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. It just means that we need to figure out the time management strategies that work for you and the time tracking strategies that work for you. And really, also, what are, where do you want to go with your time? Right? Because time's this non-renewable resource. And really when I'm working so with true. people, yeah. Really when I'm working people with people on time management, it's it's how do you match these moments right now with where you want to go in your life? Right? And it's when the moments right now, the things on the to-do list, the things in the calendar don't match up with those long-term goals, that's when people start to feel really bad. Well, that was one of my next questions. What did you mean by present moment? Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. Is that what you mean? Absolutely. So we need to figure out how you connect this moment now with where you want to go. And I help people create that customized toolkit of practices. There's some usual suspects in there, right? Mm -hmm. There's a to-do list. There's a calendar. Mm -hmm. There's some other tools, but it has to be the one you're going to use and that you're going to have a relationship with. So I don't care if you use your really sophisticated project management system. I, Kevin, I know you're in sales. You probably have like lots of help people use really sophisticated mm-hmm. things. And then I also know that one of the things that can be as effective for people is just a simple pen and paper, as I said before, or an Excel spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. It really depends on your situation and what works best for you. I happen to use a combination of all of those things. Um. 
Talk about, if you could, a couple of, you know, respecting confidentiality, a couple of case studies. You mentioned one woman. Give us some other examples of challenges that people had and kind of how you helped them through that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm thinking about one client who, a very busy professional, um, uh, works in um, real estate Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, manages multiple properties, has a couple of other side businesses, really loves to be busy and very good at what he does. Young kids. um, And um, really came to me feeling like, like I, there aren't any more minutes in the day Mm. and I don't know how, how I'm going to make this happen. And uh, what do I do now? Right. Um, And what happened for him was much like the click of that kaleidoscope where we were able to get a sense about how is he spending the minutes during the day? Um, First of all, let, you know, I always like to get clear with people about, what's most meaningful and important to you and why do you care about the things that you're doing in your day? Because sometimes what happens is we have a hard time getting stuff done or we're feeling overloaded because those things that are on the to-do list really aren't things we care about and don't match up with our long-term goals. So for him, we got really clear about where were the time wasters and time robbers in the day and where were those things that we could add effectiveness to what he was doing mm. instead of more things that he was doing, right? So, for instance, I've worked with him on this. I also work with lots of other clients on, you know, when you're training somebody, how do you do that in a more effective way so that you're actually creating um, your manual of best practices? Oh, so, if you have good. to train somebody else, you've got that already, right? So, there's ways to do it and you know, he would say, Sarah, well, I, it takes so much time to teach somebody. And I'd say, all right, well, let, let's set things That's up. That's such so a can, trap. It is. Yeah. So you can teach somebody, they can document it, and then guess what? You can, you can fine-tune it from there, and now you've got a manual. So um, what we did was made his day so much more effective that he had a lot more time with his young kids. Um, he was able to stop working when he wanted to stop working, have evenings and weekends to himself when he chose. Hopefully right? guilt-free, right? Yes, absolutely. Mm. Um, and really, really uh, be able to, like last time I saw him, he was just grinning and you know, said, like, I don't mean to oversell you, but you changed my life. And I was like, that's what I love to do. So I'm happy that I did that. Um, so that's, that's one um, person that I know I really affected. And then... Um, there's somebody else that I'm thinking about who's actually a lawyer Mm -hmm. that, um, again, when I first started working with her was crazy busy all the time and really felt like she was never allowed to stop working, Mm -hmm. that she needed to always be working in the evening and on the weekend. And one of the things that, um, I teach people is, and I actually ask them to work in is to take 24 hours off in a row, at least once during the week. Right. And the first time I said that, she was like, well, what, what, tell me that again. What, what, what is that? Um, which many of my clients say, and now she's in this place that I can tell you if anybody tries to, um, encroach on that 24 hours off, she will fight you for it. She now knows how to defend it and knows why she cares about it. 
my guess is the work still gets done, right? Yes, she's still. And what I love about this is she has more time on the weekends and evenings to do mm-hmm. what she loves to do outside of work. Mm-hmm. She's making all of her billable hours and more, right? Wow. Um, and there's so, I, I just love seeing her because she's able to lean into her passions and really have that thriving business that she craves. And so many lawyers struggle with that particular issue. So the rule was once a week, 24 hours, no work. Yes. 24 continuous hours. No 24 work. Continuous, uh, continuous hours off in a row. Mm. And now the next question that somebody will type in if they haven't already is, what does <laughs> off mean, Sarah? Yeah, go ahead. Right? And so we get to figure out what off means for you. Yeah. Right? Um, for some people, it means a free day. Right? Where I guess get to do whatever I want to do. Sometimes I'll call it an open day. Right. So, again, with that notion, not that I might not end up raking the leaves if it's a beautiful day and I want to be outside and that feels like fun and raking the leaves seems like a chore to some people. Mm -hmm. But I just want to know that I'm doing it because it's something I enjoy doing and I get pulled into that moment. So but you get to the, the. the customized answer here is you get to decide what yeah. off looks like for you. And it's going to look a little bit different for some people. It's really going to be, you know, sitting with a cup of coffee and a book for a long time for other people. Like my husband, he's out right now riding his bike somewhere. And, you know, when we first met, he'd be on his bike and then his rollerblades and then, roll the, you know, then uh, rake the lawn. And he just loves to be active and moving. So that's a day off for him. Um, we are almost out of time, but I want to ask about this. Talk about uh, any mentors you've had, uh, other than academic advisors, any mentors you've had along the way. I love this question. Um, the mentors that I like to lean into um, have been women entrepreneurs mm. that um, you know really have been a model for doing things their own way. And if you haven't noticed, Kevin, it's a little bit of a thing with me um, <laughs> that I was even that kid in college that like I went to a college that would allow me to design my own major just in case I wanted to. Right. Cool. Yep. yep. I like to play within the rules, but I maybe want to make up my own rules here or there. I want to know that I have the flexibility to do that. So I always pick mentors that um, allow me to see some that that they've created things in a way that allow them to have the life that allows them to thrive because that's what I'm after. And that's what I'm after teaching people. So um, those are the the women. And I can think of two people that have been really instrumental in my business. And um, they both really, you know, one uh, was uh, does a lot of sales and marketing Mm -hmm. mentoring. And she was the only woman doing that training a long time ago and is well known for that now. And then another one is, just a you know out just an amazing coach who's really good at pushing the envelope of of what are we really doing as coaches and i love that inquiry that's great hey it's been really fun having you i've learned a lot what's the best way for people to get in touch with you the best way to get in touch with me is to go to my website, which is truefocuscoaching.com. Mm-hmm. That's T-R-U-E-F-O-C-U-S coaching.com, truefocuscoaching.com. And um, there's links to free resources there. You can also um, sign up and get my ebook called I Know What to Do, I'm Just Not Doing It, Five Steps to Bust Through Procrastination and Overwhelm. Great. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. As I said, it was truly fun. 
Thanks so much, Kevin. It's been a blast. And thanks, everybody, for listening. This is a show primarily about business and business challenges. If you've got concerns about the growth of your company, feel free to reach out to me on Facebook or LinkedIn at Winning Business Radio or drop me a note, Kevin at winningbusinessradio.com. Thank you, as always, to the hardest working engineer in radio, Rebel Medler. Tune in again next Monday, June 24th at 4 p.m. Eastern, where my guest will be Tom O'Rourke, president of Neponset River Regional Chamber of Commerce. Until then, this is Kevin Hallinan. You've been listening to Winning Business Radio with your host, Kevin Hallinan. If you missed any part of this episode, the podcast is available on Talk 4 Podcasting and iHeartRadio. For more information and questions, go to winningbusinessradio.com or check us out on social media. Tune in again next week and every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time to listen live to Winning Business Radio on W4CY Radio, W4CY.com. Until then, let's succeed where others have failed and win in business with Kevin Hallinan and Winning Business Radio.